Welcome to Blitzcats, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. We would like to welcome everyone to another Blitzcast episode. We would like to open the show with a guest. His name is D'Angelo Amos. He's a safety from the Virginia Cavaliers. He joins us right now. D'Angelo, welcome to the show. How you doing? Uh, thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. What things made your senior year with the Cavaliers your banner year? Just uh, being able to play in a in a Power Five in the ACC, uh, going to to the the top of the top in college football uh, from the FCS, and being able to produce and the numbers that I put up were very similar to what I did my last year at JMU. So being there and being able to produce kind of proved that. You know, I can play at the elite level and produce, you know, no matter if it's FCS, FBS, whatever, that I compete. Um, and I compete at a high level. So, to me, I felt like I I did that, and then my goal was to do that coming to UVA. And that's what the coaches, their coaches wanted for me as well. So, that's what hung it up for me uh, to go ahead and wrap up my college career. D'Angelo, how special was it to, to play in the SEC against the, the big programs like Clemson, Miami, and and UNC. I mean, this is what every kid dreams of. Uh, it was a great opportunity. Um, I, of course, growing up, I always betted on myself and believed in myself, and I felt like I belonged, you know, playing around with those guys and to see them all the time and all the media they get. You know, you kind of start to question, you know, what would happen if I did play with them. So, unfortunately, with COVID going on, it kind of messed up a lot of things for me in the SES, but it was also a blessing in disguise because I was able to have that experience. A lot of guys always question that and don't know how it would have turned out. Uh, COVID basically gave me that opportunity to, to find that out and answer those questions. Did you prove a point this year? Because FCS guys always get talked about, well, yeah, you're, you're doing it at a big program, but it's not FBS. Did you prove a point to people and to yourself? Uh, I would say so. Understand the system and the scheme, uh, and playing in that first game a month later. So to do that, I feel like it definitely let everyone know, or I guess reminded everybody that FCS guys, no matter what level you're playing, that football is football. So it's not so much matter where you are; it's what you do uh, with the opportunity to play the game. Which team in the ACC was the toughest matchup to go up against, and why this past season? I would say it was it was Clemson, uh, just because the the many superstars they have on the team, guys that definitely will uh, find themselves on teams in the NFL with Trevor Lawrence, and then Travis Etienne, Howell Rogers. I mean that offense was high power, ready to go. Been working together for a while, so their chemistry and and the way they played together was hard to beat. You can put uh, schemes together and try to match it up but you can't match chemistry um and with me coming in uh just like I said in a month uh it was hard for me to build that chemistry up so early in the season to play against them I would definitely say Clemson if not them UNC why did you transfer to Virginia uh with COVID uh going on and that the I believe the rule for FCS was if 50 percent of the teams canceled or decided to play in the spring then there wouldn't be a fall season at all. And to me, we was already 
at like 41, 43%. So to me, it was just a conscious decision to, to enter the portal and, and find a way to play. And I knew the power five would probably have the best chance. And UVA was only an hour away from home. So James used two hours. So it was an hour closer with COVID going on. I, if anything happened with my family, myself, that I would be able to get to them and they would be able to get to me. So being there and then their scheme, being an NFL-style uh, defense, very complicated. But if I want to play in the league and that's the dream, then that would make it an easier transition from college to the NFL with already playing in the NFL-style system. D'Angelo, before you left for Virginia, you spent four years at James Madison. When you look back at your time there, what accomplishment are you most proud of? I would say winning the uh, 2016 National Championship and beating Weber State uh, when Ethan Racky kicked a uh, game-winning field goal, uh, I believe that was 2017 uh, that year. Um, those are probably the best moments. Just like I said, a team win, like I said, you put in all that work and to see it pay off and get that national championship. And then the nail biters, the games that football players live for, and you turn around and you can uh, see that come, see us come together and build that chemistry. Just like I said, come through with a win. That those moments you you can't make those up. You can't mimic those. Those are just one of a kind moments. What made you choose James Madison out of high school? Originally went to West Point Prep. I committed to Army, so I didn't originally uh, commit to JMU. I just got to the prep school. Uh, I played. Everything wasn't wasn't too bad, but I just felt like I would have been better off somewhere else. And Coach Weaver at the time was the corners coach. He was a part of that staff that Coach Houston put together that 2016 uh, national championship team. And he he coached my brother, uh, Deshaun, name is at East Carolina. So that way we made that connection. And then I knew Coach Trot and Coach Sweet from when they recruited me in high school. So that just made an easier transition knowing those coaches and being familiar uh, with them and that entire defensive staff. Tell us about your training right now. Have you seen huge improvements? Have you made big strides for your pro day? Tell us about where you're training right now as well. Oh, absolutely. I'm here in uh, Newcastle, uh, PA, uh, with Grossetti Performance. It's been great from the from the day I got in. Like I literally, they put me to work the day I got here. So uh, I got off the road and immediately started working out. Uh, it was straight, strictly business, straight to it. Uh, come in and put in work. And I, the biggest thing for me was putting on some weight, adding some weight to my frame. And I think in the first week I was already seven pounds, eight pounds heavier uh, and, and can move with it. So that would probably be the biggest improvement, which is the goal here to, to is be able to put on some weight, add to my frame, but be able to still run with it. And that's been the biggest stride uh, that I've made so far. You mentioned your older brother, uh, Deshaun Amos. He spent some time in the NFL. He is at, he's with CFL right now, I think, with Calgary. What advice has he given you about the next level? Uh, just being a professional every day. It kind of started uh, my sophomore and junior year. He had already left out of college or was done with East Carolina. So uh, he just told me, me, like, hey, I'm going through this process. You know, pay attention because it's, it's going to come fast and you got to be a pro every day, whatever you're doing, whether it's schoolwork, uh, your personal life, on the field, off the field, in the film room, just be a professional in everything you do in all aspects of life. So that was the biggest thing that he tried to get through to me. Uh, he kind of let the experience be somewhat of my own. 
Uh, a lot of times us growing up, with us being so close in age, everything was secondhand. So I had the benefit of having him go through the experience, sharing it with me, so then I can take advantage of his experience and make a better one for myself. Are there any defensive backs that you model your game after? I would say Tyron Matthew, Jamal Adams, when he's in the box, just he's just fearless. He goes in and he diagnoses plays. His pre-snap reads are, are amazing, the way he talks about uh, stuff he sees on film, whether it's alignment, hand placement, or if he's sitting back, if he's leaning forward, if he knows he's going to pull and how he can take his risk, uh, his communication, everything. Uh, with Jamal Adams is what I look for, uh, and I, I love to – try to mimic or uh, style my game after, and then Tyron Matthew, just in coverage, just instincts, just somebody that's always around the ball, finds a way to, to make plays. Uh, once again, another leader to his team. I think that that leadership aspect, that leadership character and personality that they both have uh, is really what I try to bring uh, and add to, to my game. What positions in the secondary fit you the best? I would say nickel, and safety. I mean, I played corner my freshman year when I first got to JMU, um, and I have no problem going to, going and playing corner. But as far as I'll probably get my best performance of what I've been doing constantly, the most reps that would definitely be uh, safety and playing and playing some nickel. D'Angelo, you were one of the most dangerous punt returners in the entire nation the past couple of years when you were at JMU. What do you think has set you apart in that facet of the game and made you such a successful return man? Uh, just being fearless. I, I, that was one of the main things that was taught to me and told to me uh, when I was back. There was like, hey, you're, for one, you're a defensive guy. You're not afraid of contact. You, you do that every play. Just be fearless. And I think that was the biggest thing. I wasn't afraid to take a hit. I didn't mind it. It was, it was fine. Uh, that and just Getting vertical, I think, was the biggest thing. Uh, all my home returns, all my great ones, I got vertical. I wasn't going sideline to sideline. So just that fearlessness, knowing that, hey, we're going to get yards and get vertical as fast as we can, that was, I think, the biggest thing for me as a as a punt returner. But what makes a great return man? I mean, there are a lot of football players, whether it's in the NFL or college, that return kicks and punts, but only a few of them just have that knack have that vision, what do you think sets the, the great ones apart? Um, being consistent, really working with your your punt returning team. When you know what they're supposed to do, uh, before I was a punt, I was back there at punt returner. I was blocking for them, so I knew exactly what they were doing, what they were looking for, and how they were supposed to block. So I used my, my blockers to help set up lanes or set them up so they make their blocks. And I think any great returner, if they know what everybody's doing, where they're supposed to be, what leverage they're going to have, they can utilize that to make great returns. Can you give us a couple of interesting facts about yourself that might surprise people that don't know you personally? Well, my tattoos, a lot of people ask about those, and I draw all my tattoos. So I draw them, I give them to the artist, and he just copies, he like stencils them and put them on. So all my tattoos are personal like that hand drawn by me. And then also uh, I long snap and punted in high school. I was a starting long snapper as well. So just another thing that I've done as far as playing football and in many different positions I've played. D'Angelo, thank you for spending some time with us. Good luck with your pro day and 
continue chasing after that dream. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. We would like to thank D'Angelo Amos for coming on with us and sharing his experience and telling us what he has accomplished during his career and what he's been doing during his training. Right now, we're going to break down the safety class. We're going to take a look at strong safeties and free safeties. Ed is going to reveal his lists. And then we're going to both mention a couple of underrated players, a couple of overrated players, some sleepers, as always, going to be in the forefront. It's interesting, you know, these players are sleepers right now, but it it doesn't mean that they're going to be sleepers come draft time, but we're going to talk about them as well. Ed, what do you think about the safety class? Don't hold back. Well, this this free safety class is not very good. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. Um, The strong safety class, I mean, they've got a few guys, but I'm I'm not really that impressed. No, I don't think this is a great safety class. And you know you know me and my track record with safeties. I'm pretty picky and so forth. But if you need a safety, actually get one early because it really gets really thin at the end. You know what I'm saying? I mean I just I don't see a lot of like day three talent at the safety position. You know what I'm saying? It's not a class. It's not a class with a lot of depth. I don't think you scout quarterbacks quite as hard as you do with safety. You know, when you look at safeties, you expect them to be Hall of Fame players. And I think you're really picky. I mean, they have to be complete. At times, you just have to kind of, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Some guys are are better run defenders and and some guys are, are better in coverage. And I think in today's NFL definitely should lean towards guys that that do well in pass coverage because that's what safeties are doing nowadays i mean they spend so much time in the center field they cover the slot you know they defend the pass and you don't have to be a great run defender in today's nfl i i understand that point it's just i mean if if you want to make a defense great i mean you got to do a lot of things with your safeties you know what i'm saying like you can't you know, the players will say corners lie, safeties don't. I mean, the safeties kind of make the play in football. I mean, it's just that's the wild card in a play. I mean, you know, between cover one, cover two, cover three, that's all, you know, the number of safeties that are playing deep. I mean, that's really what it means. When you when you blitz safeties, I think that says some I think that makes a big difference in a play. I think when you drop them in coverage, I think that makes a difference. When you disguise them, there's so many different things you can do with a safety. All right, let's start with your strong safeties first. Uh, We'll reveal your top five list, and let's start with number five. Well, my number five guy is uh, Joshua Bledsoe. He's a safety from Missouri. Um, He's about six foot, 200 pounds, true senior. He's a three-star recruit out of high school. He had four years of production. Uh, Only one career interception, which concerns me. Um, Needs to be more physical in zone coverage. I think he does stay in phase pretty well in zone coverage, though. I, I do see that on tape. Needs to get off blocks better, um, but I like his agility and coverage. He was the guy who played in the box for the Missouri Tigers. Yeah, had a good game against Alabama his senior year, and I think a lot of people caught on. Uh, His partner, Tyree Gillespie, was also invited to the Senior Bowl. Bledsoe's kind of an interesting guy. Not the biggest guy out there, but he gets his hands on the ball. Not the interceptions, but quite a few pass deflections this year, so... All right. 
So number four, I got Derek Forrest, uh, safety from the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, he's also six foot, two hundred pounds. Uh, four years of production, but he's a bit of a one-year wonder in 2019. That was his big year. He's a true senior, three-star recruit out of high school. Uh, he's still a little raw in some ways, but he shows good run supportability. He has good instincts to read the play. You know, he takes his first step the right way. Um, decent tackler, tackles the catch in man coverage, good eye discipline. I think he runs the run in the pass very well in the offense. See, I have question marks about him in as a, as a pass defender. He has trouble in coverage. And in today's NFL, I mean, if, if you have trouble in coverage, that's not going to translate to the NFL. And I just I don't see him having that range. I don't see him. He has average change of direction skills. I wanted to like him. I really did. Like, I was optimistic when I started studying his film because you mentioned 2019 was a good year for him. But I just I don't see a player that's going to be very successful in pass coverage. Number three, I got Andre Sisco, safety from the Syracuse Orange. Um, he's a true junior. Three years of production. He's six foot two oh nine. Uh, he's more of a strong safety, but he honestly could play both. I think one of the reasons why I have him number three is the injury in 2020 derailed his stack, his draft stock. Um, three-star recruit. Uh, he's an average tackler. I think he gives some cushion and coverage, but you know he's decent in man coverage and he's a ball hawk. He has a lot of career interceptions. So this is a guy who uh, you know can kind of make plays and he's a playmaker. And I, I think that's why I have him number three. Somebody might get a steal in Cisco. I just think he is more of a free safety. He's that center fielder. And he played all over at Syracuse, and it is a shame about that ACL injury because he's not going to be able to work out for teams. Uh, he opted out of the season in October. I can't imagine him returning for his pro day. Uh, that would be like a remarkable recovery if he's able to do it. I, I don't think he's going to be able to recover. But not only does he have great ball skills, but he has great speed and terrific range. And the one thing that I saw during his junior year is that he became a better tackler than he was as a sophomore because he, as a sophomore, he was reckless. He was leading with a shoulder, trying to go for the big hit. He was taking bad angles to the ball. He became a more secure wrap-up tackler during his shortened junior season. I think that injury is going to force him to fall, and if he recovers... It could be a steal for somebody because, like I said, this kid covers a lot of ground. Uh, speed, the athleticism, he, he looks like a natural out there, almost like a wide receiver when he attacks the ball at the highest point. It, it's a shame, again, that his, uh, his season was shortened and that he has an injury that he has to come back from. So number two, I got Trayvon Morig. Um Safety from the TCU Horn Frogs, uh, true true junior, 6'2", 202 pounds, more of a strong safety, three years of production, three stereo recruit, um, first team All Big Ten in 2019. Um, I like his physicality in in slot coverage. I think he has good instincts as a center fielder, good in man coverage. I think he helps in run defense, and he's got good instincts in zone coverage. I think he's a complete safety. He's an all-around guy. To me, he's the number one safety overall. And I don't differentiate between strong safeties and free safeties anymore just because I think at this point they're interchangeable positions. I used to do strong safety rankings, free safety rankings. I don't do that anymore. Merrick is my top guy, and I think he's the only guy that deserves 
not the only guy. I'll mention another guy that I think I have a, a late first-round grade on. But Merrig is my top safety in this draft, and he definitely deserves to go in the first round. Maybe to a team like Jacksonville. We'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later. Man, this guy stands out in coverage. What he does is is amazing at times. He doesn't always get the pick, but he always tends to get his hand in the way and deflect that pass. I think he's a good athlete. He has, I want to see how he runs at his pro day. He's not the fastest guy out there, but he always seems to be in position to make the play, whether it's in center field, whether it's when he's covering the slot receiver, or whether he's making that, that tackle in the run game. I'm a big fan of Merrig, and I'm not the only one. Obviously, you like him as well. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put myself in the category of love this guy, but I do like the prospect. I mean, I do like the pick. I just... Uh, gosh, I mean, it, you know, you spend a number one on him. I mean, that's a lot. And I think that's probably where he's going to go. I stand by my evaluation. I just think get yourself this TCU player because I think that the sky is the limit for this kid. And this isn't he's not tapped out at this point. He still has a lot of upside. And that's why I think he is he's going to go high. I'm not saying top 10, top 15, but he's going to go somewhere in, in the 20, 30 range in the first round so my number one guy is paris ford uh safety from pit panthers um you know redshirt junior two years of good production uh three years of production total um he's six foot 190 um i think he could play both but more of a strong safety four-star recruit very good instincts very good tackler good in run support um he's a tackle machine always around the ball i think if there's one thing that he needs to improve it's that his ball skills but uh yeah this guy's my number one he has six picks, though, throughout his career. That's not too shabby for, for a guy that has played three years at Pitt. You love your Pitt Panthers. There's something about it. You always push them up. You always have a soft spot for them. You had a soft spot for Dane Jackson, and now you're just pushing Paris Ford to number one. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, he is a very active player. He always shows up on film. He seems to be a step ahead of what's going on. He realizes his assignments, and he's very instinctive, especially against the run. Certain tendencies, you see that he recognizes them, and he just attacks it. And that's why you see a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage. And I'm worried about his frame a little bit. I'm not saying he's like the smallest dude out there, but... He's going to be like 5'10 and a half, 5'11, 190 pounds. He needs to to gain some weight out there. He's a former corner. You know, he's got quick feet and he changes directions really well. He's a physical player. I'm surprised you chose Ford over Merrick, but I don't have a problem with that. I think Ford is is an underrated guy to me. He was one of the elite prospects coming out of high school and he chose to go to Pitt. Pitt doesn't usually get guys like this, but it, it took him a little time. He switched to safety, and yeah, during his sophomore and junior year, he excelled. But you love those tough Pitt Panthers, you really do. I do, and I like their I like their secondary. I really like Dane Jackson. And all right, let's move on to the free safeties. Uh, we'll get your top five guys, and then we'll talk about underrated, overrated, and some sleepers as well. Well, uh, number five, I got Richard LeCount III, uh, safety from Georgia. Um, he's 5'11", 190, a little undersized for a safety in this era. Uh, four years of production, five-star recruit out of high school, true senior. 
He had a motorcycle accident, but it only knocked him out for a few games. I like the job he does in man coverage. I think he has pretty average instincts, though. Um, needs to be more active in run support. I think he has tackling issues, but uh, more of a free safety. But again, um, not a lot of slim pickings in this free safety class. A lot of criticism for a guy that's that's number five on your list. Yeah, the, the higher names are on this list, you're probably going to be kind of surprised. Um, and then uh, number four, I got Damar Hamlin. Again, another Pitt Panther, you know, partner of Paris Ford. Um, he's 6'1", not 195, redshirt senior. He has five years of production, four-star four recruit out of high school. He has sub-4'6 speed. Um, he sometimes misses assignments, but he's a decent tackler. Physical in zone, decent instincts. Um, not a heavy hitter, though. Yeah, there's no way I have DeMar Hamlin in my top 10, just in general. I think he, he falls below that range. But he was at the Senior Bowl. He's a very good run defender. I, I just see some holes in his game as far as pass coverage goes. But again, another Pitt Panther. You should start rooting for the Pitt Panthers out there. They should be your team in college. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should maybe I should have made a better college choice. Hey, it's not a bad program. I mean, Narduzzi produces really good defensive players. And there's one thing about Pitt that everybody knows that that's been around the program. They have tough guys. Toughness is number one for them. And if you're not a tough guy, there's no way you're you're going to be able to be a, a Pitt Panther. So move on to number three, our Darius Washington uh, safety from the CCU Horn Frogs. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore, two years of good production, three years of production total. Um, he's 5'8", 178. That's a, that's a big concern of some draft people. He was Big 12 defensive freshman in the year, three-star recruit out of high school. He has good tackling ability. He's patient in zone. Um, I think he reads the quarterback well in center field. Good speed and coverage, but I'd only label him with average instincts. I love his range. I love his ball skills. The way he attacks the ball at the highest point. He's athletic. He has good COD, change of direction skills. There's no wasted movement with this kid. But you mentioned that 5'8", 178. Even if he gets up to like 190, that's still too small. One of my favorite players of all time from the safety position was Bob Sanders. Bob Sanders played for the Iowa Hawkeyes. He got drafted by the Colts in the second round. He was like... He was so athletic. He rocked the combine during his time. He was 5'8", 200 pounds. He loved to throw his body around. He was so physical as a safety. A little bit of a different player than Ardarius Washington. More of a run defender because at that time you needed more run defenders, more physical guys back there. He had a couple of really good years for the Colts, but then injuries took its toll. Bob Sanders was stronger he was bigger he had more girth i don't know how our darius washington is going to hold up in the nfl this is still a, a grown man's league and i just i worry about his body even if he's going to play free safety you're still going to be up there in the line of scrimmage and th that's that's a major concern for me and i'm thinking with his ability and coverage let's line him up as a nickel corner and make that his spot because, you know, height and weight is going to be an issue. But maybe you can hide a little bit of that by putting him at as a nickel corner out there. So there's no way you can play him at safety and expect them to, to hold up, uh, you know, all 16 games. Go to number two, 
Hamsa Nasruddin, safety from the Florida State Seminoles. Um, he's 6'4", 220. That is good size for a safety. He's a true senior. Four years of production, four-star recruit out of high school. I, I think he showed he recovered from his injury by playing the senior bowl. Uh, played a lot of deep safety. Not asked to do a lot in run support. Does show up more in run support in the red zone. I think he has good effort on the blitz, good tackler. So more of a free safety. Hamza Nasruddin is my number two. This guy is so huge. Before his injury, he was a good run defender. He made a lot of plays against the run. But his senior year, I mean, we didn't see a healthy enough player. And at the senior bowl, I mean, he didn't stand out to me. And I'm just hoping that we're going to see the Nazaraldine that we saw in 2019 than what we saw in 2020. Because there's a lot to like. Obviously, he's... He's humongous. I mean, we talked about Ardarius Washington being 5'8", 178. Dean is like 6'4", like 220. I mean, this guy hits like a brick, but he can also cover. Not as high on him after a disappointing senior year, but I think that's going to serve well for a lot of NFL teams because he's not going to go quite as high, and that means you might be getting a bargain somewhere. Let's find out who your number one guy is. My number one is Caden Stern, safety from the Texas Longhorns. Um, true junior, you know, still relatively young. He's 6'1", 207. Three years of good production. Five-star recruit out of high school. Um, had some injury issues in 2020, but he's an instinctual center fielder. Um, secure in making tackles in the run game in the secondary. I think he's competent in making open field tackles in the pass game as well. Um, needs to be more physical in coverage, gives up the underneath, but he's decent in coverage all around. Um, he doesn't get beat deep. Let's start with the most overrated guys. Well, my, my first overrated guy is uh, Javon Holland, uh, safety from the Oregon Ducks. He's a true junior, 6'1", 201, uh, two years of production. He's able to play some cornerback. He's a four-star recruit. Sat out the 2020 season to prep for the draft. Um, what I really don't like about him is he's a bit flat-footed in coverage, um, very average in run support. He's good at getting off blocks, but I'd like to his instincts to be better. Um, needs to attack the play more. Sits back and really acts a lot. We know how quick the NFL is. You know, you just can't sit back and read and react. You have to, you have to anticipate the play. Yeah, it seems like Holland is always um, a step behind the play, and I agree with that. His his awareness and instincts, I would say, are below average. He's not able to pick out and recognize plays. He's basically relying on his athletic ability. And in the NFL, everybody's athletic. You have to study the film and know what the offense is trying to do. And a lot of the times, he just he relied on his, his speed, his athleticism, and his size. And he got away with it in the Pac-12. I'm also with you. I think he's one of the more overrated safeties in this draft. Anybody else? Well, I have to mention Richie Grant, um, Central Florida. Four years of production, six foot, 194, redshirt senior, two-star recruit out of high school. He did help himself in Mobile, but needs to be a better tackler, needs to get off blocks better. A little slow with his instincts, need to, needs to attack more as a center fielder. Um, again, spends too much time reading, reacting. We'll say he's a good open field tackler on the deeper half. I think he improved as a run defender during his senior year. I think that that's something I had a question mark on coming in from his junior tape because junior film, he missed a lot of tackles during his senior year. I thought he cleaned it up and be- became more of a, a wrap-up tackler at UCF, and I thought he was one of the better senior safeties out there. 
overrated. Well, I already mentioned Javon Holland. I am worried about Ardarius Washington, just his size. I hate being picky about size because I'm never a, a size speed type of guy, but really tough for me to imagine a guy like five seven and a half, five eight, 185, 190 pounds being able to, to hold up and in a grown man's league. But I hope maybe we'll we'll see a first for that. Give me a, a one or two underrated safety. Well, you know Caden Stearns is going to be on that list, and the other one is Derek Forrest from Cincinnati, which I think will be a little more controversial for you. All right, my underrated guy, I'm going to go with the USC safety that you don't have on the list, and that's Talanoa Hufanga. I never try to throw out Hall of Fame comparisons. I never do because it's really unfair to these prospects. And I hate when people try to compare uh, current NFL draft prospects to to great NFL players. But he reminds me a little bit of Troy Palomalo. So when you get the chance, Ed, maybe this week, go back and watch Hufanga. There's only one Palomalo. But he's just so active. He's a very good wrap-up tackler. He's kind of that old-school safety that, that hits so hard, that brings that physical edge, be that blitzer. He also had four interceptions this year, and a couple of them really stood out because he's instinctual there. He knows what's going on. Sometimes he can get a little too reckless, kind of like Palomalo did. Those great plays, they really stand out. And I love his instincts. You can use him as kind of a chess piece on your defense. He's more of a strong safety. He's not a free safety by any means. But I have a late first-round grade on him. I'm not saying he's going to go in the first round. That's just my thinking. I have a late first-round grade on him. I would love to have him on my team just because I see that energy on the back end. And this guy brings that physicality, which I really enjoy from a safety. And I saw him improve... As a pass defender during his junior year, Hufanga is one of my favorite prospects in this draft. When we do the show later on, might be one of my most underrated players ever. And another guy I wanted to mention is Jamar Johnson from Indiana. He's a guy that picked off from Justin Fields when they played against Ohio State. He got two picks against him. He has good size. He's an athletic player. I like his range. I like his ball skills. He needs to become a better wrap-up tackler, a more secure tackler on the back end because he tends to to throw his shoulder in the way. Wrap-up, man. But Jamar Johnson is kind of one of those guys that is really good and might be that ascending player, an intriguing player with upside. He had a big junior year and, and decided to come out. How about sleepers, Ed? My, my sleeper is uh, Christian Uphoff. Safety from Illinois State. It's not so much what I love to see on tape. It's just I, I see a very raw player, uh, you know, not very highly recruited out of high school. You know, played at Illinois State, only two years, very little production. But he's 6'3", 195. He's got great physicality, and he's a very hard hitter. This is a guy who, you know, could maybe test well. You know, you kind of get on day three and, you know, maybe just kind of be an upside pick, you know, just a guy you kind of, you know, you, you keep for a couple of years and see if he improves. And Jim Nagy and the Senior Bowl agree with you because he was invited to Mobile. And I'm going to go with Tariq Thompson. You interviewed him. I've been singing praises for this player. He's just a playmaker. You know, there are certain guys that just stand out on film. He forces fumbles. 
He comes up with timely picks. You know, he's a good center fielder. He has good instincts. The only worry for me is when he lined up against the slot receiver, he needs to improve there. Uh, They had success against him. When he lined up in man coverage, when he lined up in man coverage, he got beat a few times, especially in the red zone. I think that that's the one aspect of his game that he needs to improve. All right, let's move on and talk about another team that has multiple picks in the first round. We've already talked about the Dolphins. We've talked about the Jets. We're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. They have a new head coach. They have a new GM. They have a lot of money to spend in free agency. I think they have like 75 or 80 million. So they can throw that money around. And they have 11 draft picks in 2021 NFL draft. So Urban Meyer is walking in into a perfect situation. He has a chance to build his type of team. Obviously, with the number one overall pick, he's going to go with the quarterback, right? I mean, there's there's no surprise there, right? Well, it's funny. I, I, I kind of sat and I thought on it. And, you know, like many times before, I probably would have said, well, you know, go with Trevor Lawrence. And then I'm kind of thinking about it. It's like, well, Trevor Lawrence is the safer pick, but you know what? I really like Zach Wilson. I really think he has – it's just like the way his playing style and so forth. It just – it reminds me a little bit of Mahomes. And to be honest with you, just that upside, um, the character – to be honest with you, I, I think if I'm the Jaguars, I'm actually going to say I'm going to take Zach Wilson. Interesting move. And that that's something that you and I have talked off the air about. Who's the better quarterback, Lawrence and Wilson? I've shared my thoughts with you. I've thought that, you know, there are a lot of things that Wilson does better than Trevor Lawrence. And I just think for for the future, Wilson might be a more intriguing guy. If you would design a perfect NFL quarterback in Madden, wouldn't it look like somebody like Trevor Lawrence? Because you would want a guy who's 6'6", 225 230 pounds, who's got athleticism, who's got a rocket arm, who has the winning pedigree, right? Who has leadership skills, right? He wears 16 because he was a big fan of Peyton Manning. Wouldn't you want a guy like that? And watching Urban Meyer soaking in that pro day uh, before Lawrence went to, to have that shoulder surgery, talking to Dabo Sweeney, there's no way that the Jaguars are passing Trevor Lawrence. I'm not saying you're wrong because there are a lot of people that like Zach Wilson. They've kind of caught on this bandwagon and Wilson is like the the sexy pick. And I'm sure Justin Fields is still going to get back into this conversation because, hey, Urban Meyer has connections to Ohio State. And, you know, he brought Fields there before he moved on and Ryan Day coached him. And Ryan Day and Urban Meyer have have a great relationship out there. But there is no way that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to pass on Trevor Lawrence. I can't really find a knock on Trevor Lawrence. That's the thing. I can't find a knock on Trevor Lawrence. But yet you're going with Zach Wilson. I have a couple of knocks on Trevor Lawrence. I'm all about finding those weaknesses. I think his field vision is just average. I think there are times that he gets fooled by defenses. Like, he wants to go somewhere, and he stares down those targets as well. We saw that during his sophomore year, and I saw it a few times during his junior year as well. He locks on to his primary receiver. I'm not saying he can't go through his progressions. He can. But at times, he sees something pre-snap, and then he goes with it, 
And the more experienced defenders, they kind of take advantage of that a little bit. One of the interceptions kind of resulted in that against Virginia Tech when Divine Diablo just read his eyes and just moved into the spot and intercepted the pass in the end zone. So I think those are a couple of knocks against Lawrence. I wish he was a more accurate deep ball thrower. I'm not saying that's a weakness, but I think he's average in that regard. He's really good in the short game. He's really good in the intermediate game. His accuracy dwindles a bit when he starts making those passes over 20-plus yards. I think those are a couple of weaknesses for Lawrence. So I'm not surprised you're saying I would go Zach Wilson because he's my new favorite quarterback. And you've been on his bandwagon for a while. It's just now you're coming to the realization that he might be the best quarterback in this draft. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I just think that the Jacksonville Jaguars, there's no way that they can pass on Lawrence. And especially when Urban Meyer was was doing those broadcasts for Fox and how glowingly he talked about Trevor Lawrence when he was doing the breakdown on him. And this is before he even thought about becoming a head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But there are plenty of people out there, again, that like Zach Wilson as their number one quarterback. I just don't think that the Jaguars will make that move. Number 25th pick. Obviously, the Jaguars will get their quarterback at number one. They have holes. You know, they need a left tackle because I'm not sure Cam Robinson is going to be back. They need a lot of help on the defensive line. They need a lot of help in the secondary where are you going with that 25th overall pick? I think if you make an investment like Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence, you have to make an early investment in your offensive line. So I would go with someone like Liam Eikenberg or uh, Jalen Mayfield. We're going to have some really interesting conversations in the weeks leading up to it. Ed just gave you a little glimpse of what he thinks about Zach Wilson. And obviously when we talk about quarterbacks, it's going to be an interesting debate because there are a lot of guys out there. There's like five guys that you could, you know, bang the table for. It's going to be an interesting debate when we do the quarterback preview. And uh, uh, obviously Ed has been glowing about Zach Wilson for a long, long time. Everybody has holes. Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, there's not a perfect prospect out there. And I always worry about when people say generational prospect because there's no such thing as a sure thing. It's the NFL draft. Andrew Luck was a generational prospect. He was the number one overall pick. But he had a good career, not a great career. He didn't turn out to be a generational type of prospect. Obviously, injuries contributed to this. He didn't have a good offensive line for a long time with the Colts, and he was still a good quarterback. But Russell Wilson, who went in the same draft as Andrew Luck in the third round, outplayed him. And in the long run, he became the better quarterback. So always be careful. You know, quarterbacks are really tricky. Dig deep. It's not all about the film. Find out who they are as people. And Zach Wilson is a really good individual that is incredibly determined he wants to be great and he has that chip on his shoulder so i'm not surprised that a lot of people uh, including ed and other people in the media are catching on and you know zach wilson is like the the greatest thing right now he's i would argue with you right now ed that the hype is so huge for zach wilson that he is overrated at this point you know what i'm saying I know, I mean, there are things you can say about Zach Wilson, like, 
I mean, he didn't play the toughest schedule, right? He wasn't playing, you know, the, the schedule that Trevor Lawrence has proved himself to play. The point of all this is to win the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? So you want to get a guy like Mahomes. You want to get a guy like Brady. And so that's that's really what I'm thinking with the Zach Wilson pick. Trevor Lawrence had great talent at Clemson. But I want to remind folks that he won a national championship during his freshman year. All right, And he's been to the national championship game twice. Twice. A lot of people are saying he never played his best football in the big games. But he did. I thought the, the comeback against Ohio State, not this year, but last year in the semifinal game, Travis Etienne was the driving force, but Lawrence never flinched. And during his freshman year, not many guys are able to, to win the national championship freshman year, even though, again, the Clemson Tigers have great players all over the field. Don't forget that. He is a winner, and he is a leader, and it sounds like he also wants to be great. But I also say that there's no way that Zach Wilson should not be the pick for the Jets at number two because he's clearly the better quarterback over Justin Fields and the rest of them. At number two, Zach Wilson, get that card in there as quickly as possible. He could be the savior of the New York Jets and and Joe Douglas and, and the future for that franchise. Let's talk about one Last NFL topic on tap, J.J. Watt signed with the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of teams were throwing around. You and I talked about this, Cleveland, uh, the Steelers, but we never saw the Arizona Cardinals coming. Was it all about the money? Uh, you know, Alex, I kind of think it was, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, what, you know, when you say you want to win a Super Bowl, I mean, you don't go to the toughest division in football, right? When you talk about that division has the Cardinals, sure. I mean, they have the Seahawks. They have the Rams, who just got Matthew Stafford. You know, and they even have the 49ers, who were in the basement last year. I mean, that's that's a tough division. I don't understand why you're trying to play from there. And so it has to be money. Well, he definitely got a lot more money than I think any other team could offer him. Plus, the weather isn't too shabby at Arizona. Why would you want to go to Green Bay? Why would you want to go to Cleveland? I don't think the Arizona Cardinals are going to be better this year, even in this competitive division, as you say. They do have you know, the, the connection with Murray and Hopkins that is even going to be better in year two. And don't dismiss this. I mean, Hopkins played with the Texans, so you probably made a good sales pitch. Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator of the Arizona Cardinals, was the secondary coach for the Houston Texans. So there's familiarity there, and they run a very similar defense. It's almost like he's going to go in there and he knows exactly what they're doing because it's the same thing. And then he's going to line up opposite of Chandler Jones, who is one of the better sack artists of this decade, and he's playing for the Arizona Cardinals. So watch out. I'm not saying Watt puts him over the top, but I think Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury is a team on the rise right now. They didn't get into the playoffs last year, but uh, I think... They're right there on the cusp, and I think this team could be very dangerous in, in 2021. Thank you for listening to another episode of Blitzcast. We promise we'll talk about some other things next week that will be just as interesting as this show. Thank you for listening. Take care.